You're listening to the Nutmeg Arena by the Nutmeg Assist. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the TNA Podcast. I'm joined today by our co-host Chris. Welcome, Chris, to this episode. Hello. You okay? All okay, mate. All okay. So the mm. premier the the premiership's gonna restart this week. Not not gonna restart. Obviously, it's gonna a new season begins this yeah. week, and I'm. I'm pretty much thrilled to see what this season brings especially after liverpool's title win last year <laughs> <laughs> still clinging on to it yeah yeah <laughs> still the uh, reigning no, yeah, champions yeah yeah it sort of disappoints me the way the fixtures are because i don't know if you can remember i don't know when it recently changed but it, it, the defending champions were always the opening game <laughs> like the first game yeah. on live telly it used yeah. to be like a tradition where yeah have a Manchester United, Arsenal, Chelsea. They would always play the first game, but obviously for some so for some reason that's not happening this year. But yeah, I can't wait for Saturday. I don't think I, I don't think I've eagerly awaited a start of the season so much ever than this one for some yeah. reason. Yeah, I think b- because because of the Champions League only finishing so late. I think and because of the pandemic and the fact that we went so long without it, it sort of felt like football stopped too early and it's sort of yeah. like for the last two two or three weeks have just been a bit lost yeah 100% and the, I mean the fixtures are also really good the opening game yeah. Fulham play Arsenal newly promoted Fulham who's, who's like who, whose journey has been up and down in the last decade <laughs> from the Premier League to the Championship Championship to the Premier League uh, it's been a, a hell of a ride right and Scott Parker, the manager, who's, who's also a former player, former England international as well. So, yeah, they're back in the Premier League and they play the tricky Arsenal under Mikel Arteta. They've changed a lot. And I just want to mention the transfers that Arsenal have gotten so far. So, they've actually extended Danny Sabayos' loan for another year. Yeah. And on top of that, they bought Gabriel from Lille. Cedric move has been, uh, I think it's been made permanent. Pablo Mari again, yeah. permanent. and they bought Villian on a free from Chelsea. I know a lot of people have been giving stick uh, for for Villian uh, in the last two three years when he was at Chelsea, but I I still think he, like he's like he's really productive at times. So I think it's gonna be like a tricky signing that Arsenal made, and I they they still link with players like uh, Jose Moa from Leon. I think they put in a bid and. Leon rejected it, and they've also been heavily linked with Thomas Partey from Atletico Madrid, who's an absolute baller. So they are spot on with yeah. their transfer activity this time. And on top of that, Mikel Arteta just won the Community Shield. I I know it's probably like a glorified friendly, but it it definitely gives the confidence, gives the players the confidence. And if you look at the transfers that Fulham have done, they've actually. Brought in Mario Lemina on a loan deal from Southampton. Yeah. Harrison Reed permanent from Southampton, and Anthony Robinson from Wigan Athletic. So not much, but like, like, but last time they were in the Premier League, they made a wholesale group of changes and they went down so badly. So <laughs> I guess it, it's it's not a big thing again. Everything is probably reliant on the way. The team performs together, squad cohesion, and a lot of things are involved. So, Chris, what's your expectation for the opener? Again, it, open any fixture, any open game is always sort of a 
it's a bit of a lottery, isn't it? I suppose. I mean, you see so many upsets. The only thing I would say in regards to this is you've touched on Arsenal there. And I know the the Community Shield is sort of like a glorified friendly, but they've still they've still won it, and they, they still beat Liverpool. But because because the FA Cup final was so was not as long ago, they're very much in momentum at the moment, Arsenal. So. Uh, they've won. The, they've won the Community Shield and the FA Cup all within the space of one month for a thirty-day period. Anyway, so the momentum is with them, and so they'll be looking at this fixture, thinking this is a great chance to get 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 up and running straight away. So I'm fully expecting a national victory on this one, uh, just because, like I said, they seem to be on a roll at the moment, and because of the because of the pandemic and the, and the fact that the finish season so late, then they managed. Uh, to get the FA Cup, then they've managed to get the Community Shield. I think they'll just, ca- I just think they'll carry on. I think they seem to be at the moment just sort of not not steamrolling everyone or steamrolling the way through it, but they just they seem to have momentum, which should still count given the uh, the relatively short period it has been since they last played. So I'm expecting Arsenal to pick up where they've left off really and, and get three points. Fulham, like you mentioned, they've done it completely different this time around. What was it last time? I think they spent 100 million, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I bought some big names, but this time they seem to be doing it a little bit differently, whether that's just due to the financial impact that COVID had or whether that was actually the strategy from the start. But some clever signings as well. Anthony Robinson, I know him quite well. He used to be a big player for Everton under 23s before he moved to Wigan. Got to remember that uh, the lad almost moved to AC Milan had it not been for a failed medical. So the the reviews of him at Everton were always very very good. Whether he just didn't have the opportunity because of Leighton Baines and then Luca Dean, maybe he just didn't get the the opportunity to, to show at Everton that he could he could actually establish himself as a Premiership player. So this is actually a very good move uh, for both parties, I think. And yeah, I think I think Fulham may struggle, but I don't think by I don't think. It will be a struggle like last time in terms of the whole season. I, I, I think uh, obviously they will probably take a as long as they stay up, that's fine. But I think they will be within a fighting shout this time around of staying up, unlike last time where they were. I think it was quite clear from early on that they were going to get relegated. Yeah, clearly. I mean, they kind of made a lot of signings, and I mean, they made some really smart ones, a smart players, I would say. Yeah. But uh, it didn't click. It was like all all over the place. So it it was not well thought of last time. But this time, yeah, like you said, uh, and Parker actually looks like a man who's who's kind of got his team to play a particular way. And like he, he I think, is a little bit more flexible. I think than Slavisa Jokanovic. I don't know if I'm. This is a very piss poor take or a good take, but I I kind of felt it that way, actually. Yeah. I just think like I think last time they just maybe emphasised they went for quantity instead of quality, and they just sort of bought a whole lot of players of actually without actually thinking about the system. And it's easily done uh, as well. This time I think they're going to come up, and they're still that team cohesion will still be there. The, the players will know what they're doing. The manager will know the players because he's only brought three players in, so. He won't be reliant as heavily on the three players, I don't think, as what, say, maybe they were last time. I think last time they bought Jean-Michael Serry, uh, which, which was a coup at the time, given his reputation in France. But obviously, that's not worked out. I do still think he's at the club as well. So I think last time they were just sort of, maybe the uh, whoever was in charge of recruitment was 
playing football manager too much last time and you just thought you could buy anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, interesting game. We'll be uh, it, it's always I always, I don't know about you, Riffley, but whenever I think about teams playing at Craven Cottage or play it they will always struggle. So I think Fulham's home form will actually be the key to whether they actually can uh, sustain a premiership fight this year and actually stay in the league. I think that their home form is always essential, given how how small and condensed the pitch is. Yeah, I, I actually agree with that. Uh, the, the pitch itself is iconic because it's, it's a small pitch and yeah. it, it, it kind of gives me vibes because... I, I don't know why it kind of gives me some good vibes when I, when I see players coming out on Craven Cottage. It's small and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, why. I just, yeah. I, yeah, I just always get the impression that teams don't enjoy playing there. Like yeah. players don't enjoy playing there. So I always think that they've got a chance for them at home against anyone. It, and it, oh, maybe I'm got maybe I'm thinking a bit too far back. Maybe maybe it's changed a lot. It, it, whilst they've been in the championship, I know last time when they were in the, um, last time around, it, the home form weren't great anyway, so it didn't really play any kind of part. But traditionally, teams have always struggled there. It's always been it's always been a place for an upset. So I think that'll be vital for them staying up this time around. But I do expect yeah, Arsenal to get the three points in this game, given the momentum that they've got. Yeah, same here. I I, I feel Arsenal will start the season with. Three points this time. So yeah, that's with the first game, which, which is which is an early kickoff. The second game was probably Crystal Palace against Southampton. Southampton last season, like after that huge defeat against Leicester, I, I I've heard pundits bring it up every single time when Southampton <laughs> play. So it it kind of got. Uh, I mean, it was kind of irritating towards the end because every time they played, you yeah. used to hear them speaking about that Leicester for once, God's sake, just 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 get away from that because Hassan Hotel has done a really really good job there. And but you look at Palace. I mean, in the last podcast I said that I probably expect Palace to overachieve a bit. So I, I thought yeah. of I, I thought of that opinion of mine. A few times after the pod, and I thought, okay, um, um, was I probably stretching it a bit too much? Was I expecting a little too yeah, much from I, Palace? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think you were, but it's your prediction, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> Eberechi is is the only player, only big player that uh, I I think they bought from QPR. Nathan Ferguson from West yeah. was another signing. But yeah, they've not made much changes, and they've not had much players go out as well. So it's 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 been relatively quiet there at Palace. But as for Southampton, they've lost Pierre Emil Hoiberg to Tottenham. Maya Yoshida, yeah. who's who's been long serving, has been released. Uh, Elionosi against Celtic on loan. I, I he definitely wouldn't be a you know big part. Obviously, Cedric Suarez, Arsenal, like we said. Mario Lemina, who was out on loan, I think last season as well. This season, Fulham, like like we said just a few moments back, but yeah. they they've actually, uh, I mean, made the deal which uh, they made a deal permanent, which is Kyle Walker Peters from Spurs, and yeah. I think that, that that's a really good deal because he he's I think he's probably a good right back for Southampton. And they've yeah. they've bought in Mohamed Salisu as well from Spain. So <laughs> I mean, Michael in the podcast with Michael a few weeks back, we were discussing how good this deal was for Southampton again. Yeah, he can play out from the back as well. So it's really good. Uh, the two signings that Hassan Hotel has made is 
kind of really sensible so and 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 again this southampton team is someone who can probably cause an upset because they are a really well drilled team it took hasen hotel some time but do you see them playing a 4222 which is hasen hotel's favorite or i mean what's what's your whole take on this too this particular game yeah i i think southampton when we mentioned <clears throat> you mentioned your comments about uh, chris on the previous podcast about crystal palace overachieve and i went for wolves and obviously we'll come on to them later but in my mind i had southampton as one of them as well i i think yeah people often refer last season to the uh, the very heavy defeat to leicester but that didn't tell the full story their season they were fun they they were they were really good towards the end of last season they really picked up in terms of performance after the restart i remember seeing them play everton i was really impressed with the way they were pressing basically pl- playing the way the manager wants them to now whether it's took a little bit of time for them to get to the way get used to the way uh, uh, Ralph has on hustle wanted them to play I don't know but they seem to be there now again I think the Hoiberg suited both uh, the Hoiberg deal suited both teams and you know, what you've got to remember about the t- the players that are leaving there they didn't really feature that much for Southampton Hoiberg had stopped playing really after January after he made it clear that he wasn't going to renew his contract he stopped playing him in the starting lineup so I don't think his exit is going to have a, that much of a detrimental effect that the fact that the the missing him because they've they've already sort of started that process with the game last season they will obviously miss a player of his quality but I always felt that he was a bit too far ahead of Southampton's players anyway that they didn't really they actually looked a bit better without him not because he's not good enough as a player just because of the way he plays so I actually think it suited Southampton that he did go and he could actually move on more now more as more of a team and again the other players were out on loan or they weren't really featuring anyway so I don't really think the set, I think the two purchases have been very good Kyle Walker Peters uh, done a good job for them and obviously you can see the, the I think financially the deal worked out for both parties as well so I actually I, I, I'm going to go for a, a Southampton win here I think they'll beat Chris, Crystal Palace quite uh, convincingly and I think I, I think they'll finish in a t- I think they'll be I think they'll finish in the top half Southampton as long as they can stay injury free and if they can get if they can keep Danny Ings scoring goals I don't see why they can de- not uh, kick on from last season in regards to Palace you just I think their team's getting really old now yeah and we all know what Roy Hodgson is he plays the same way it's not going to change the style yeah. it's not going to have some kind of dramatic style this year. We know uh, Wilfred Zaha is going to be their main player. The lad they bought from QPR is 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 good. Is good whether he makes a step up or not. I'm not sure, and I still think maybe they got him relatively cheap. As I think, if that were in a, if this was a normal transfer window, I think they probably would have paid maybe five or ten million more for him, just because of the way the transfer market is. But yeah, I, I just think they need they need refresh a bit more refreshing all over the pitch Crystal Palace and I worry for them this season Not, don't think they'll go down because especially if they keep Zaha but I'm not so sure they will there's still a month left in the transfer window or just under a month now but I think I'm going to go for them finishing there at the same as what they did last season but obviously that'll be depending yeah, on whether they keep, yeah it'll be dependent if they keep Zaha of course Yeah, yeah, fair, fair, fair shout. That's a, that's a fair shout, and I I still think Southampton need a midfielder. Oriol Romeo, I don't think probably is 
is is good enough there. I not disrespect yeah. again, but I yeah, I, it's I quite think inconsistent, them, isn't he? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so I think they definitely need a signing. But yeah, that's uh, I, I. You said South. You you would actually put your money on Southampton winning. I would actually put my money on a draw here. I feel mm, since uh, yeah, the, uh, I, I mean it's gonna be a draw for me. Let's see what happens. Yeah. But moving on <laughs> to the next game, West Ham United versus Newcastle United. West Ham every summer they go out. They recruit. <laughs> they sometimes they recruit players who are good, but. Then the season absolutely goes down. I don't know how. I don't know why. As for Newcastle, yeah. the fans have been vocal of Mike Ashley a lot. But this summer, Mike Ashley has actually. I mean, th- th- there was a lot of talk of a new takeover, but uh, it all fell through, and they stuck with Mike Ashley. But he's done really good business so far. I think it's been sensible so far, and I, I did not expect Newcastle probably investing this much. But yeah. You look, You you look at the players Newcastle have bought in as well. Uh, Jeff Hendrick from Burnley on a free. Callum Wilson from Bournemouth. Today I think it got confirmed, and they've signed I think Jamal Lewis. I, I think it's not finalized yet, but it's gonna be done. Jamal Lewis yes. from Nor- Norwich City as well, who's a good left back. So these are really good deals. And uh, is it Ryan Fraser? I guess who's who's also heavily linked with them. I think if if they get that yeah. as well over the line and. It's going to be two really good signings from Bournemouth, Callum Wilson, Fraser. They know how they play each other, so it's going to be quite easier for them. Jamal Lewis again yeah. is a good Premier, is a Premier League level player in my opinion. So they made some really good signings. Jeff Hendrick isn't bad either. He's been yeah. a good servant at Burnley, so they made some good signings. Steve Bruce last season definitely overexceeded my expectations. Let's see what he does this season. Uh, I wasn't pretty much impressive with their attacking output last year. Joel Linton was kind of a disappointment for me, although Steve yeah. Bruce or, or exceeded my expectations. But yeah, that, that the attack perspective is still not good enough in my opinion. And probably that's why they bought in Callum Wilson. I don't know if Steve Bruce is probably thinking of a change in system. Uh, probably Joel Linton and Callum Wilson or. I don't know. I I I I don't really know, but might be. And you look at West Ham in uh, after the restart in the latter part of the season, they kind of picked up form. They bought Thomas Suchek from Slavia Prague last season, uh, which I I think is made permanent now. He's been a really really good player for them. Suchek in midfield. He's I think I think since January he's been the best player. Jared yeah. Bowen they got in last summer. Last summer or was it? Last January, last summer, I guess, and he's he's also been really good. But this summer they haven't done much, I think, so far. But West Ham's case is very hard to predict uh, for me as well. And I think they this this sold uh, this sold one of their uh, pretty promising players, Grady Diangana, to West Brom, and Mark Noble yeah. was all all skeptical. I I think someone supported Mark Noble as well. I I forgot who it was. Was it Masuaku or? Someone uh, I don't remember who exactly, but the fatigue is going to be down there. So David Moyes has got a big, big job, a big, big pain again in his head. Yeah, I mean it's always a big job at West Ham because you just never know what's going to happen. In my opinion, uh, you don't know whether the, if you have a bad run of form, the owners are going to that's it and be ruthless and sack you, and you just don't know whether 
with that runner form will ever ever come up. I mean, what I would say is if we're basing it on last season towards the end of the season, I, I, I fully expect them to stay up. I think Dave Moyes turned them into a relatively not solid unit. I don't want to say they were solid and hard to break down, but he managed to figure out a way out to, uh, to get games. In Suchek, they have got a very good player uh, who... Um, who seem to get important goals or, or seem to play play well in the big games when needed. Uh, I think also Declan Rice improved massively under David Moyes as to what he did under Manuel Pellegrini, especially given maybe that was just because under Pellegrini he was playing as a 2 and a 4-4-2 and I, I don't think he's cut out for that type of game. I think he's very much a 4-5-1 sort of sit in between the defence and midfield as a holding midfielder type of player. I think that's his best position, uh, given the limitations that I feel he has in his game. I think he's pretty solid at doing that, though. Probably why I think why the position that Chelsea want him to play in, if they were to buy him. But he certainly under, improved under Moyes and become a, a very, very important part of that. So, again, in, in, in reference to the game, I mean, it can, it can go either way, this game, couldn't it? I mean, West Ham and Newcastle. Newcastle, if they get these uh, signings over the... the uh, the reported signings finalised over the next couple of days I think that'll give them a real buzz going into the season they'll start looking forward to it Callum Wilson is a good buy for them a uh, premiership experience thought he was awful last season for Bournemouth but if you want to look at maybe the seasons before that he certainly proved that he could definitely he's a premiership player if, and for, for someone who could easily perform for a team on Newcastle's level uh, I think I think that's a really good sign. It'd be interesting to see what system where he goes with both of them. I actually think it would be, bring the best out in both Joe Linton and Will and Callum Wilson if they played together. But whether Steve Bruce uh, goes with a two up top, I'm not sure. So I've got this down as a score draw. I think both teams will be, be quite cautious given the fact that it's a first game. But if but since since Newcastle have got these signings the last couple of days. They've made me think that they could they could go go on and win it, but I'm going to stick to my original prediction. Both teams to score on it for it to be a draw. Yeah, I, I would actually go for a goalless draw. A boring goalless draw. Yeah, a boring goalless yeah. draw. Well, I mean, but both managers are predominantly defensive managers. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, again with West Ham, you just you you just don't know what team West Ham are going to be. I mean, last season I I thought they were going to want the way they returned after the break. I thought uh, they were they were appalling straight away, and then I thought I thought they were going to go down, but yeah. then out of nowhere they, ju- they just put a couple, and, and then he beat Chelsea as well, didn't he? When yeah, Chelsea yeah. seemed to be on a roll, so yeah. I mean David Moyes has always had that in his locker, even back in his Everton days, he always had that sort of start off bad, finish strong scenario. Not all the time, of course, but that seemed to be a familiar pattern, even when he took over West Ham the first time. Wasn't great at the start, and then he seemed to just pick up and get uh, do what was needed. So I wouldn't worry about them long term in terms of relegation, but I expect them to probably finish just a, both teams to finish around about where they finished last season. I think Newcastle will be fighting for mid table again, uh, and it'll be yeah. interesting to see if if any takeover rumours develop. Yeah, we will we'll, we'll come to the prediction part. At- We'll come to the prediction part at the end. I would actually want to know how the table looks like in your opinion. So we'll come to that at the end. No, but we will go to the next game, which is probably yeah. my favorite my favorite game of the game week. <laughs> it's Liverpool versus Leeds. 
champions of the top division versus champions of the yeah. second division so yeah. marcelo bielsa back in the premier league up against jurgen klopp's mentality monsters okay i i i'm i'm probably hyping up too much isn't it <laughs> yeah 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 i was i'll let you have that one but yeah certainly overplay <laughs> So yeah this is this is this is a really crunch tie and I'm I'm definitely looking forward to this getting to watch Bielsa in the first game play my favorite team it's going to be a treat it's going to be an amazing watch for me and I would like to see how Liverpool play against this Leeds United side against Bielsa how Bielsa tackles Liverpool and you look at the transfer business they've done Leeds they've Uh, uh made the Hilder Costa more permanent Jack Harrison from Man yeah. City that, that they actually I think loaned him again and yeah. they bought Rodrigo from Valencia what, what was it 35 40 million again but for 30 me 30 million pounds I think initially yeah. I don't know if this got add-ons as well but yeah yeah and I I think the favorites are uh, my favorite signing is Robin Cott from Freiburg for me that 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 is yeah. a really really top signing so and they they're still going ahead and looking for players like Rodrigo de Paul i think today they were linked with Harry Wilson from Liverpool but i think yeah. it's better they stay off Harry Wilson from uh, from yeah. neutral neutral point of view especially i would love them to go and pay 10 20 million like Bournemouth used to for a player like <laughs> Harry Wilson but uh, i think they they would be better off without him no disrespect to the player yeah. but I, but i i, I think Leeds probably can look elsewhere i don't think he'll be predominant i don't think he will do well at Leeds but Rodrigo no. de Paul is a really good player if if we else get him it, it's going to be really really exciting again but you look at Liverpool they signed Costa Simicas the only addition so far they've been linked with Thiago they'll be linked with Thiago till the end of this window and i, I don't think they'll sign yeah. personally personally i don't think the signing will be done i don't know it's just a gut feeling I I I I'm not quoting any sources but yeah that's the only move so a left back cover is done but I've seen Klopp kind of switching formations in in friendlies I think he's he's kind of tried out 4231 that that is just the starting basically and in the community shield he actually when when they were trailing he bought in Minamino he bought in Keita he bought in Curtis Jones as well, I think and it was a 424 towards the end so he he's trying <laughs> different stuff when I don't know if 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 he's trying to be flexible or if he's trying to think of different things definitely the friendlies are the best uh, games where you can try out literally anything you can literally do any experiment no no one cares even if you lose 8 nil I do but basically speaking yeah. yeah no no one literally gives anything for that but yeah I've seen him trying different stuff but what do you, how do you think Leeds United will tackle Liverpool Chris uh, Well, no, I, I, I don't. Marcelo Bielsa won't change his style of play. Uh, it may change a formation, but the principles of the style will still remain. Um, they will go for it, or when I say they go for it, they're not all out attack by any stretch of imagination, but they are an attacking team. Um, I, I still, I still fully, I don't see any upset in this game. I really don't. Uh, I still think Liverpool will be too strong. Uh, I think Leeds have done some good business. I'm quite surprised with the Rodrigo deal, not Rodrigo De Paul, Rodrigo from from Spain, uh, Valencia. Uh, 30 million pounds is quite a lot of money for someone who's not prolific and doesn't really suit the style of play as well. 
Uh, I don't know if you want to check the stats on that, but he, does, he doesn't come across as someone who presses the ball that much. So that that shocked me a little bit, the fact that that deal's gone through. But I think uh, the rest of the business is very good for Leeds. But I don't I don't see any upset in this game. The only thing I would be concerned about if I was Liverpool, maybe not in this in relation to this game, but they weren't quite the team they were after the break as as opposed to what they were before it. And, and what, what I mean when I say that is... Okay, I think part of the fact that they knew the title was only a matter of when and not if after the restart. But they seem to be, I mean, Man City took them apart. Arsenal beat them. Arsenal were quite effective against them in the Community Shield as well. So maybe that falls into Jurgen Klopp's thinking in in relation to changing different systems to get different players involved. Maybe he's thinking now some teams have figured out a way to play against them because before, I mean, he steamrolled the Premier League last year, as I'm sure you, as you know yourself, as a fan. But they did look unbeatable until right in towards until Watford beat beat them. I didn't I honestly thought you would have went the season unbeaten, but the wheels never came off. Or you still effectively won most of the games after the break, but it was just a little bit. Do I think there were signs there that this team is actually beatable now and and there is ways to, to beat Liverpool so it will be interesting to see whether he does any more transfer business um, between now and the end of the window but in relation to Saturday's game do I think you know it'd be interesting to see what formation he does play because like, uh, like we've spoke off here Minamimo seems to be picking up a little bit of form in pre-season which will be great for all Liverpool fans and I think it's great for the player because I do, I do really like him as a player I think he will come good for you uh, it'll be interesting to see if he starts the game with Firmino and whether he does carry on with the 4-2-3-1. Yeah, that, that, that will yeah. probably surprise me a bit. But considering I think Jordan Henderson still might not be ready, I guess. I don't, I'm not really sure. But I do yeah. think Henderson might not be ready. And yeah. Klopp might not but, risk that. But yeah, it's possible. It's it's pretty much possible as well. Yeah. Well, Leeds, Leeds are quite... Uh, Consistent in playing out from the goal, playing out from the goal kicks and playing out from the back. So it wouldn't surprise me if he went with the four-two-three-one to be able to press them immediately. Uh, it gives an extra man to press the front, uh, the back four of Leeds if yeah. they actually. But then Bielsa will be not. He may change it himself in regards to that if he tries to counter Liverpool's four-two-three-one. He's not. If he if he feels that Liverpool are going to go with uh, Firmino and Minamino. That he may he may try and counter that and play free at the back. I'm not sure. It, again, that that has, he has been known. It is part of his philosophy, so to speak. To he always likes one more centre arm. He, he likes to outnumber the opposition's forward line. So if an op- opposition play two up top, he is known to traditionally change to three centre arms to keep the extra, yeah. to spare man at all times. So quite it will be quite an interesting game tactically. But I I fully expect Liverpool to uh, to win the game. I think it'll be goals in it. I think both teams will score, uh, but I think Liverpool will just outscore them. Yeah, hopefully it will be a entertainer, and I, I won't definitely predict this game because the games I predicted have gone massively wrong. So I, I, I don't want to <laughs> predict this game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I'll just keep it because a lot of Liverpool fans have come to me and kind of sweared at me saying, "Please don't predict." <laughs> So, so, so yeah. I keep myself away from this one. And moving on to the yeah. next game, which is West Brom versus Leicester City. West Brom, newly promoted, Slaven Village. They've had a really good 
season last time in the championship but Leicester i think the first 19 games they picked up what 37 points from the first 17 games i think but then yeah. it 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 all went wayward and it 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 was kind of a tragedy at the end i i would say it it's kind of a relegation form at the end that they showed because yeah 37 points from the first 17 or 19 games they ended up in 62 points which is like 25 points from 20 21 games which is definitely relegation form yeah i mean Like, like you said, the wheels fell off completely, and I think questions have got to be asked. Um, Suarez, more questions were being asked to Brendan Rodgers. I mean, they were second. They, they, they were second at Christmas or around that period, and they finished fifth. And not only did they finish fifth, I don't. The last couple of games, they didn't ever really look like finishing in the top four, which I thought was nailed on at one point. I really did, and don't get me wrong, the way Manchester United's form was at the end to the end. the season you can't really say that they never that they look like dropping dropping out of that race but Chelsea's form was certainly was sort of up and down i felt they were good one game bad out of the game so there was there was opportunities there for Leicester it's not like like the, uh, it's not like Chelsea and Manchester United showed their sub- superiority and just went on 15 game winning runs i know Manchester United on a really long run But Chelsea didn't, and so I think Leicester have got to be massively disappointed with the way the season finished. Um, in regards to this game, I still think they'll have too much for West Brom. I think West Brom, for me, are going to struggle this season. They're going to be my tip. Like we'll get back onto that bit, uh, that that one in a bit, I suppose, given given what we're going to talk about later. But in this game, I, I'm going to go for a convincing Leicester win. I just think they'll have too much attacking power. Prowess for for West Brom, and I think they win convincingly. Yeah, and look at Leicester's recruitment as well. They bought Timothy Castan from Atlanta. It, it's yeah. not going to be a huge yeah. loss for Atlanta as such because he was not really the first choice. But it's, yeah. it, it's nevertheless yeah. a good signing for Leicester. He can play on the left side. He can play on the right as well. And I think his signing was really important because that kind of eases the loss of Ben Chilwell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, again, even with Ben Chilwell, I mean, he he will be a loss for them, I suppose. But the whoever negotiates these deals for Leicester, if you look at the Maguire deal and you look at Chilwell's deal, I mean, they they've done really well to get that amount of money for both of them players. So full credit to whoever negotiates them because yeah, they, they, they've got probably they probably probably in Chilwell's case they've probably got about fifteen to twenty million more. Than what really is worth. We're not obviously Maguire happened last season, so we're not going to get on that. But given the amount of money that they got for him, fantastic. So they they tend to do well with the transfers. Castagne, uh, the the deal probably again similar to what we were mentioned before. So that I think that that suited both teams. Doesn't doesn't he's not really a predominant figure for Atalanta, or he wasn't last year. But he'll come in and do a job for Leicester. So I think it's a clever signing. Given the given the amount of work that Brendan Rodgers requires from his fullbacks, or did anyway last season, I think that will be it's quite an astute signing. Uh, I, but yeah, again with West Brom, I just don't I don't see again West Brom fans or anyone else might be able to come on uh, and make comments after the show and tell me wrong. But I, I think <laughs> they will be. I think they're going to struggle. I don't think they were quite the team after the break that they were before the break. Uh, yeah. And you know, again, I keep referring to that, but 
it weren't that long ago. I think the, the, seasons, the season didn't finish that long ago, so form may still play a part. It's not like they've had two months off. So I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm fully expecting a Leicester victory in this game. I, fi- I think they'll just have too much too much going forward for West Brom to handle. I, I, I'm, I'm a bit sad uh, of West Brom because uh, I, I won't be able to see Chris Brent again in the Premier League. <laughs> he's, <laughs> been, he's been released by them. So he's, he's been like a, yeah. a, a kind of out-of-the-box out Premier League players of, of the last decade or so. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I kind of agree with you again. I, I think West Brom is gonna struggle, and they're definitely a relegation candidate for me as well. As for Leicester, Timothy Castagne, like we said, one more thing is that he's gonna ease Luke Thomas, the youngster, the left back who can play left wing back, left back as well. I think he's gonna ease his the pressure and the burden on the youngster. He's a really good yeah. player as well, Luke Thomas. I think he he'll also hit. In the ground running soon. Again, even if uh, Ricardo Pereira needs some rest, you don't need to push James Justin there because I think Justin plays better when he's played as at centre back, so he can play yeah. right as well. Timothy Castian. So I think I think it makes sense. So yeah, that's with the, that game. And going on to the next one, Tottenham versus <laughs> Everton. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Everton's once again won the Merseyside transfer window. Oh, here we go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I'll be really honest. I think signings. I mean, we discussed this uh, quite some time back as well. I think I'm pretty impressed by the way or the way Everton have done their business. I don't think they're a top four candidate. I, I, I don't probably even think they might be a spot on Europa League contender as well. Yes, they will fight. They might finish seventh, but I don't think like they're a sure spot there again. But yeah, yeah. I definitely think they'll be much, much better than that they were last season. Ancelotti showed that he has the flexibility even without the ball in defensive shapes as well. They've been really solid defensively. I think he's completely changed Mason Holgate. He's improved Dominic Calvert-Lewin as well. Richarlison, if they keep him for pretty long, I think he's going to be a really, really good asset for Everton. But you look at the players you bought in Chris, obviously you know better. Yeah. But Alan from Napoli, you, you, I think you said this for a long time that you weren't particularly interested. But yeah, it seems like you're going to get the Kure from Watford. You're going to get yeah. James Rodriguez. This star signing for me from Real Madrid. Uh, I, I think I read a stat somewhere where I, I, I saw that he averages a goal or an assist every single game yeah. when, when, when he plays. So that, 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 that's bonkers. So that's going to be a really good signing as well. So what's your whole take on Everton so far? And Spurs obviously will come that, but your take yeah. on Everton? Um, yeah, I think, I think the transfer is... Everyone's rightfully excited about the transfers that are coming in. I'm glad they're coming in as a free. Like I said, for for a long time, I mean, the rumours of Alan have been there since January. At first, I just thought they were easy rumours due to his connection with Ancelotti at Napoli. Um, I went given the price that was quoted initially by Napoli, and given because of that price, I and given the fact that he seemed to be the only midfielder that we were getting linked with. I was a bit wary of that transfer, not because I don't rate Alan as a player. And like many Evertonians will essentially say, he improves our midfield straight away. He does. He's a better footballer than what we've got. 
But if we were buying him and only him as a midfielder, he didn't give us what we needed. But given the fact now that they're getting him and it's looking like they're going to get the core as well, that makes the signing even better because it makes the midfield as a unit a lot more solid and they've got a more of a balance in there. We know that Alan's a ball winner. We know he likes to progress uh, the ball. And I think Ancelotti sees him as that type of player. And maybe Everton fans will look at him as maybe a better version of a Drissel Garner guy. But what I was worried about was that he was going to just be the sole signing and that we were going to spend £35 million as Napoli wanted. And it was going to be for a 29-year-old who is not playing at the height he was under under Maurizio Sarri, Sarri's Napoli team, and has only got two goals and one assist last season. I didn't think he was actually going to be able to give us what we needed. But you put him alongside the core in midfield, now that midfield balances out completely. And gives us the option now with Andre Gomez to actually have a player three in there or two. Uh, so it will be it will be very interesting to see whether Ancelotti changes from his four four two to his four three three, which I think he needs to to get the best out of Alan. If I'm being honest, again the Rodriguez deal, you, you see these reports in the paper with it, and you just think, all right, it's just easy journalism again. They're just putting it down. He's not playing for Real Madrid. He wants to yeah. move. He played under Ancelotti twice at Real Madrid and Bayern Munich. Let's just link him. But fair play to Everton. They've gone out and got it. And I'm excited about the deal. Again, it gives us something creatively from a creativity point of view and a goal-scoring point of view that I don't think we've ever had. Maybe Everton. I think Everton fans were hoping that Gilfie Sigerson was going to be that man when they bought him. But if you look at his game traditionally, he was never going to be the number 10 that people envisioned them to be. He's not really a creative type of player. And he's not a player that can play deep. Rodriguez gives us the option now. He can play. He can play wide right because he's left footed. If they were looking for that type of balance down there, but also where people keep that's where most Evertonians think he's going to play. But I see him better when he was at Bayern Munich and he played. He played a lot deeper than what he did for Real Madrid and Colombia. And he played almost as like a number eight in a four-three-three. So yeah. I, I would like to see. I would like to see him in that role but then that then brings us to other issues on different parts of the pitch that we haven't really got time to go in now go into now but it'll be interesting to see when if and when Everton get these signs whether how much of a role they're going to play against Tottenham uh, I think I think Tottenham actually thought I thought Mourinho started to get it get it right as the season uh, went on last season I thought they were looking more solid uh, even after the break I think it was only the Sheffield United game really in which they got outperformed in and if he can get if he can get that midfield free working in sense of uh, Huyberg La Celso I think he's still think he's so underrated La Celso and if he can get a tune out of Ndombele Ndombele sorry I think he's got a solid unit there that are very well balanced midfield himself so I expect Tottenham I think I still think Tottenham will be favourites to beat Everton on Sunday uh, and obviously I don't want to admit that Everton may get beat in this game but I think if we could get a point out of this game, it'll be a very good point given the fixtures that we've got after that. I think Tottenham yeah. will be favourites and might just edge it if I'm being totally honest. If I'm, if, if my head's ruling my heart, I'm probably going to go for it. A narrow Tottenham <laughs> victory. Yeah, I, I, I will probably... I, I know Mourinho has kind of... He's, he's kind of finding his rhythm. And yeah. I'm, I'm 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 enjoying the all or nothing Spurs now. Uh, three more episodes in, so I'm enjoying that right now. But <laughs> yeah. 
but they made some really good signings. Pierre Emil Hoiberg for midfield. Matt Doherty was, I think, yeah. very very cheap. Fifty fifty million was it? Yeah. I think I, yeah. I think it's 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 a steal once again. Matt Doherty, and they they bought Joe Hart as well on a free transfer. <laughs> So yeah. that, that 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 basically probably for cup games, but yeah, still a senior figure. I mean, yeah. when, Mourinho, when Mourinho said, "I want you guys to be bastards for 90 minutes in the documentary or or, <laughs> yeah. or, or, or in the series," yeah, it, it kind of resembles as well with the players that he's bought in. Those those players actually, all the three that he's bought in are kind of those hard hard players who's going to do, who's going to fight every inch, who's not going to. You know, sh- get shy, shy away from making some. You know, being being aggressive yeah. on the pitch. So that 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 the signing that he's made is really good, and I think they've kind of kicked on. If Dele Alli, Harry Kane, Tim Minson click, they'll they'll definitely click as well. I think. So it's going to be a really interesting season for Spurs up for, and especially Mourinho. I think they can probably push in for a fourth spot. I feel. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think they'll necessarily finish in the top three, but top four. Fourth place is definitely on for them. Definitely yeah. on for them. Yeah, I do. I do. I think the way they finished last season, I think obviously he can't he, he can't be accountable for what happened at the start. But I think I was reading a thread the other day where his points since he took over would would have had Tottenham finished fourth uh, just since he took over. So again, he's definitely making he's making solid progress there, if un, unspectacular. But yeah, as long as they can stay away from Harry Kane getting injured for a long time, yeah, it seems to be happening. He always seems to get an injury for two or three months. Kane, yeah. and I know there was one particular injury. I think last season, not the season just gone, the season before, where he seemed to do better about him. But if they can avoid that this time around, then I think yeah, they'll definitely be within a shout of the Champions League games, and I'll probably be favourites in relation to the the Matarotti deal. Uh, Doherty or Doherty I think it depends on where you're from how you pronounce it these days I think that's I'm really shocked that Wolves have sold them for that price to Tottenham considering that Wolves would be hoping to make that step into uh, considering that Wolves will be competing for Tottenham uh, with Tottenham for the, the for the for the Champions League places and the Europa, the Europa League places they're, they're very much in their in their league now so to speak so I'm quite surprised given how well he was attacking wise that they've sold them but yeah it's a great it's a great coup for Tottenham I think that deal for that cost be interesting to see though if Mourinho uses him as a right back because he did predominantly feature as a right wing back last year yeah. If um, it's a completely different role completely different role I know people would just think oh well no you just you just position yourself 20 yards favour up the pitch <laughs> there's a lot more to it than that <laughs> yeah definitely yeah. definitely but um, yeah unfortunately yeah. I think Tottenham will get a narrow victory uh, I, I will again probably go with the draw fair play to Everton I, I know they're the noisy neighbours but yeah I, I'll probably give them a draw this time I, I oh, think it's yeah. going to be a draw I think it's going to be a 1-1 draw yeah I think if Everton can get all three signings done today <laughs> and tomorrow and then get them in training getting them playing by the weekend it's game on I think because yeah. all three of them have to start but the Corey's not been announced yet I'm pretty sure Rodriguez, Rodriguez hasn't but since we've been on this podcast that might have changed so I don't think they will play on Sunday if that's the case so that would make Tottenham favourites given the 
the nature of Everton's midfield for that game. 